Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, timeless investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focused Compounding Podcast, sitting next to my co-founder, Jeff Can. Jeff, how's it going? It's going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you? It's going great. We hope it's going great for everybody else as well. Hey, if this is the first time that you are listening to us on the podcast, check out all of our other content. Maybe you're watching us on YouTube. Check out all of our other content. Go to focusedcompounding.com and sign up for our premium membership uh, side of things where we write about stock ideas. We also manage capital for investors at focuscompounding.com or focuscompounding capital management. You could go to focuscompounding.com and click the invest with us link and that will give you all the information that you want to know. Uh, leave us a rating and review on the podcast side of things. Uh, that definitely helps spread the word for Jeff and myself. 140 five plus different podcasts in, having a lot of fun doing it. Um, we're going to keep the train rolling. So in today's video, we are going to be uh, going over five different stocks, giving our snap judgments. Some people have uh, given us stocks. If you want to do that in the future, uh, either DM me or tweet them to me at, at Focused Compound on Twitter. We are using Quick fs.net that's quick frank sam.net no affiliation to us we just really like the platform um, and it's definitely good for looking at companies with a bird's eye view uh, it's pretty uh it's just uh, a pretty clean and quick way to look at them and of course i want to stress so much that we are looking at this within five minutes we don't know the companies we are giving snap judgments so please do not get offended and tell us we're wrong in the twitter dms or whatever um, if we're just really just giving a quick over we're really just trying to bring a practicalness uh, segment to the podcast. So, um, of course, like I said, we're just looking at it from a bird's eye view. We know that the best ideas sometimes do not look pretty uh, from looking from the top down. Uh, but, of course, when you actually go and dig into the company, you can find interesting ideas. So uh, keep that in mind. So for the first one, we are going to be going over Independence Holding Company, uh, ticker IHC, market cap $607 million. They are in the insurance industry. If you are uh, revisiting QuickFS, now they do have a business description part of the mm-hmm. uh, website, which is amazing because I don't have to go over to uh, Yahoo Finance. And it says that they, um, let's see, through subsidi- subsidiaries engages in life and health insurance business. The company's dental portfolio includes indemnity and PPO plans for employer groups of two or more lives and for individuals within affinity groups. Vision plans that offer flat reimbursement account for exams and materials. So it sounds like they are in yeah, health insurance and life insurance business. Um, we can look at the the key statistics. Their price to earnings currently is around 23 times, EV to pre-tax 17 times. Uh, the 10-year median margins for underwriting is 37%. We actually, I don't think, have gone over an insurance company on this podcast before, so maybe this will be a great um, you know stock to demonstrate that. Uh, 10-year revenue, on our 10-year CAGR on revenue has gone from 355 million in 2009 to 358 million in 2018. So that is a negative uh, 0.1% CAGR. Um, thoughts on the business? Anything that stick out to you right away? Um, yeah, it might be more of a marketing uh, operation than taking a lot of risk. Um, they're mentioning things like dental, 
and those are more like sort of um, savings and prepaid things rather than big risk things. Uh, life is obviously a big risk that the insurer is taking, but it's pretty easy to price the risk. Um, so this is very different than if we're looking at like uh, property and casualty type stuff. Um, I don't know health insurance businesses that well. There are some interesting things about this one that stand out right away, uh, not necessarily in a good or bad way, but for instance, there's like no growth, mm-hmm. um, which is really unusual. For sure, for like 10 years that I can see, if this is right, um, premium, you know, uh, premiums haven't been growing, assets haven't been growing, so the, I mean, the balance sheet isn't getting bigger, which would make sense if premiums aren't growing. But look at their EPS, it, it's been going up, I wonder if that means that they've yeah. just been pretty much buying back their stock or what, because if you look at, I mean, well, the underwriting profit as well has, you know, gone from 79 million in 2009 to 192 million in 2018, so even though revenue hasn't grown that much, right. the underwriting profit... And the margin on the underwriting profit has gone, you know, from twenty five percent to fifty seven percent. That's the thing that's very interesting here, and I don't know what's happening, but um, it looks like some things have changed a lot in the business. Yeah, uh, for that to happen. Um, now, you generally do not like life insurance businesses, if I could say that, correct? I'd only like life insurance businesses if they have a much cheaper way of distributing the selling, marketing. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, there's some direct life insurance stuff that's okay, and there's some group stuff that might be okay for very big groups and stuff. But um, absent that, no. No, I don't usually like life insurance. Okay, so for, I guess, insurance companies in general, then what are the key things that you like to check on when you go to study them? Oh, well, normally I look at things like the underwriting uh, margin and uh, so the combined ratio. The combined ratio will show you uh, if it's over um, 100, they're losing money, and if it's under 100, um, then they're making money. They're actually making money on the underwriting margin. So usually uh, insurers that want to generate a lot of float, that's their main business, um, might be okay operating at combined ratios of 100 or higher. But um, other businesses that generate fairly little float, like um, auto insurers and things like that, might have very low um, combined ratios, like in the 90s and stuff, and that would mean an underwriting profit. Uh, This one doesn't make any sense to me what I'm looking at. So if you look at the underwriting margin, we're seeing numbers of like 25 to 50%. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from these, I don't understand this insurer at all. So Would you want to take a deeper look at it to try to figure it out? I could, based on what we've read here. I don't know that anything that we got from there is uh, helpful. I mean, just so people know, like looking at this, right, what did, what's their lowest underwriting margin that is showing a quick FS? It looks like it was in 2009 at 26%. Which is a 25.6. Right, which is a combined ratio of 74, which seems incredibly unlikely. So unless this company is doing something very different than what I thought when reading about it. So uh, I really don't know. Uh, and I don't understand why. Like it grew quite a bit to five years ago, and then it yeah. shrank like a lot over the last five years, but it shrank in a way that uh, didn't really decrease its profitability at all. So was it like running off some stuff or something? This is one you just have to learn about. Nothing in the 10-year financials gives you enough information here that I can see. Got it. Okay, next company, Schmidt Industries, Inc., ticker SMIT. Their market cap is $15 million. The industry they're in is technology, hardware, and equipment. Um, let's see. They design, manufacture, and sell test and measurement products worldwide. Uh, let's see. The company's balancer segment offers computer-controlled vibration detection, balancing, and process control systems. Okay, interesting. I have no idea what that is. Uh, we can look at the uh, the PE. This is showing a, a negative 18 
uh, price to earnings, EV to free cash flow. This looks all kind of gross on uh, <laughs> QuickFS. <laughs> EV to free cash flow, negative 18.6. Uh, probably a company like this, you probably want to look, I'm assuming, at like price to sales or EV to mm-hmm. sales. Uh, the price to sales is 1.1. EV to sales is 1.0. 10-year median margins on EBIT is negative 4.4%. Um, yeah, this company doesn't look uh, profitable at all. Let's see. The problem is that revenue uh, revenue's grown a little bit, but gross profit hasn't grown at all since like 2011. Yeah, revenue from in 2010 went from seven million to 14 million in 2019, which is a CAGR of 3.8 percent over those 10 years. But gross profit has only gone from three million in 2010 to five million in 2019. Yeah, so I can understand if it was growing, that I could be interested. You know, if the revenue and the gross profit were growing a lot over time, because then maybe it would get out of the issue of being too small, you know, grow out of that problem of having too high operating expenses that we're seeing here because it's has losses in most every year um, and has, according to this, for most of the last 20 years. It had a brief period where it wasn't losing money, but that's the only part I can see, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're losing money for almost 20 straight years, you need to be having significant growth in your um, revenue possibly, but definitely your gross profit. And I don't see any growth in gross profit since 2011. So if gross profit isn't growing, you're not going to grow out of your problems. And uh, it's just a pass for me. Yeah, pass. Next company, Winmark Corporation. A few people sent us this idea. A ticker W-I-N-A. Uh, let's see. It operates as a franchisor of five retail store concepts that buy, sell, trade. And uh, let's see. The company operates through two segments, franchising and leasing. We just said that. It franchises retail stores operate under the Plato's Closet, Once Upon a Child, Play It Against Sports, Music, Go Round, and Style Encore brand names. So obviously I recognize Plato's Closet, Once Upon a Child, and Play It Against Sports. Um, let's see. Currently has a market cap of 715 million. It is trading 23 times earnings, which is a, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. EV to free cash flow 65 times. So pretty high, uh, EV to sales 9.9, but their, uh, 10 year median margin on EBIT, it's actually 53%, which I guess, you know, makes sense if they're franchising stuff, it could be a higher margin business mm-hmm. from the way that they're showing it. Revenue in 2009 was 37 million and in 2018 was 73 million, which is a 7.4% 10 year CAGR and EPS has grown 42.5% over those 10 years uh, for the CAGR. Return on uh, equity metrics, uh, the 10-year median margin is 44.3%. Return on invested capital, uh, 10-year median margin, 131%. Uh, but what's interesting is the past looks like four years, uh, the return on equity looks <coughs> terrible. Uh, probably because they have negative uh, equity. Yep, yep. So and how do you how what's a quick way to spot that? <laughs> they have positive uh, earnings, but right. they have a negative return on equity. So if it's a fraction, then one of the two parts of the fraction has to be negative. At, uh, and in this case, who taught you that? <laughs> who taught me that? Basic algebra. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so I'm seeing earnings per share is positive, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yet return on equity is negative. That means they have negative equity. Yep. Um, so you can also check by seeing that the price to book is negative, since obviously the price of a stock is positive mm-hmm. to have a negative price to book you have to have negative book value but um the what jumps out of me here can you tell in the business description what jumps out right away um it's the last sentence okay well i didn't go that far okay, it was founded in 1988 and it's headquartered in minneapolis minnesota 
Sorry, second to last sentence. Oh, the God. Sentence. You're going to make me okay. look like that. Come All on. Right. Why are you doing that to me? It had 1,241 fr- franchise stores. Right. That's well, a lot. Yeah. What's the market cap? Uh, $715 million. Okay. What's the revenue? Um, only $73 million. $73 million. So on a per store basis, let's think about that. That means that you're getting what? You're getting less than a tenth of a million dollars, less than $100,000 per franchise store right there, I believe, if I just looked at that right. Yeah. So um, that's a small number. It's not a, a tiny number, but it's small. And um, <coughs> we recognize some of these brands, or at least I've heard yeah. of some yeah. of these things. Um I have no way on which to uh, value this mm-hmm. because the, the problem, I have ways of which to value it, but the problem that I have is I need to understand the underlying economics of the uh, companies that they're franchising, their, sure. their actual stores, because what will happen with a franchise system like this is it'll look good until you actually have problems with the stores not earning enough money for the people who are actually running them. Uh, because this company is not putting in the capital for it, we can see that they have negative equity and stuff, and we can see that their uh, margins are incredible because they don't have much in the way of expenses and things like that. So either things are going very well with the stores, and this is going to grow and be a tremendous value creator, or they're not going that well, and this company is making a bunch of money, but the stores themselves aren't making a lot of money, and eventually that store system won't grow a lot. So you got to do scuttlebutt figure out by looking at things like okay, played against sports, uh, for instance, and go on websites that focus on franchise opportunities or talk to people who are uh who own these are they making money how hard are the economics of it would they want to run another one things like that uh without knowing that i can't tell obviously the return on capital and stuff is great they obviously changed things in the last 20 years with this business really the last 10 years is a huge change um so there was a shift in strategy and stuff like that 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 changed would it make you nervous though um i guess buying into a company that is tied to retail so heavily. We always talk about how we probably would stay away from retail. Uh, yeah, this is... So, are these... Um, they have so many different franchise stores. I don't know I mean, a lot so about these they, franchise yeah. stores. Some, are these like rent-to-own things and stuff like that? I'm not sure. Some of it sounds like it might be rent-to-own things. Um, so, sell, trade, and consign, used and new... I don't know. A lot of that to me sounds like it, it could be things like that. Um, middle market equipment leasing business. So that could be on technology based. Oh, so that could be totally separate. So I guess uh, I guess not. Um, small ticket financing business. I know a little bit about small ticket financing businesses. Um, we really need to record our screens while doing this so people could see in real time <laughs> what we're yeah. looking at. Really um, cool. So anyway, I, I just I would have to honestly. The only way that I could do it is by getting scuttlebutt on the. Uh, actual franchises. That's yeah. the key with all these businesses because some people have suggested a, uh, we won't, I won't say the name of it or whatever, but some people have suggested one to me before that looked good and I just said, well, I know some things about like that their franchisees are not making money and so I wouldn't want to do that and then a few years later, you know, the system has fewer stores in it and stuff. That's not a surprise. Sure. Um, so it's this could be great and it could be that it's going to grow a lot uh, but it's just you have to figure out the economics for, for the people who are actually running the stores. Got it. Next company, PaySign Inc. This was a stock that somebody also brought to me on Twitter. Again, if you want to do that in the future, we are doing one of these videos a week. Uh, DM me at Focused Compound and I will queue it. Uh, market cap, $563 million. The industry is software and services. Uh, let's see. They provide prepaid card programs and processing services under the PaySign brand to corporations, government agencies, universities, and other organizations. Um, so they, let's see, offer various services, including transaction processing, card holder en- enrollment, value loading card holder, 
card holder, kind of a tongue twister, account management, reporting, and customer service through PaySign, a proprietary card processing platform. Interesting. Okay. Uh, revenue in 2010 has gone from $4 million to 2018 of $23 million. Um, the current PE on it is 90 times. Uh, EV to free cash flow is 38 times. Gross profit, 44% is the 10-year media margin. And if we take... It looks like return on equity um, is still in the very early stages of this company, so we can't get the 10-year median margin or median return on it. But last year, it was 30, 38%. Year before, 48%. Year before, 72%. So it's been kind of declining. Uh, thoughts on this company? It looks kind of messy. Probably something that we would not be interested in because it looks pretty early on. Um, uh, for having $23 million in revenue and having a market cap of 563 million it's pretty crazy that's about 18 times uh, price of sales yeah um so i don't know if these numbers are right because i it would be strange for me if they are right uh so i don't know if you want to check something else something 17 times sales would be a pass no matter what because the issue is um <clears throat> Say you're 17 times sales, say your gross margin can theoretically be close to 100% at some point. Well, that means that even if you get to that point, you're still trading at like 17 times gross profit. We can just do some math on that and see that this is not going to be very cheap, no matter how much it grows and no matter how yeah. high the margins are. The margins that's, won't be that that's high. correct. Guru Focus has uh, same thing, yeah. Price of sales, MP 17 or 18 times. PE, 94 times. Yeah, everything looks pretty similar. No, it's a pass. It's a pass. Nothing's trading at 17 times sales I'm going to buy. Which doesn't mean the stock won't go up. Don't get offended. That's just Eventually for... The stock will go down if it's trading in <laughs> sales right now. Yes. But for <laughs> what we focus on, that would be a quick pass. Okay. Next stock and the last stock, Stella Jones, Inc. Ticker STLJF, market cap $2 billion. Here we go. Bigger company. Okay. Stella Jones, Inc. provides markets and sells pressure-treated wood products in Canada and the United States. It offers railway ties and timbers for railroad operators and utility poles for electrical utilities and telecommunication companies. Um, let's see, it is uh, currently trading at a PE of 18 times, EBIT sales 1.5, 10-year uh, median margins on EBIT is 13%, uh, EV to free cash flow 45 times, revenue has a 10-year CAGR of 18%, going from $390 million in 2009 to $1.5 billion in 2018. Um, return on equity metrics, 10-year median returns, uh, return on equity 16%, you know, from the outside, this all looks pretty interesting. Interesting. Um, gross profit, 18%. EBIT profit uh, margins, 12.5%. Um, thoughts? The growth in assets and revenue and to some extent EPS looks slightly too high oh, yeah, relative to yeah. the growth, uh, relative to their returns. Growth in assets has a 10-year CAGR of 17%. Which would suggest that they've been borrowing money. Um, it just That's what it suggests, that over the last 10 years or so, the last 10... Uh, that's 10, 20 years that they've borrowed money. Um, they must have some debt because we're seeing that EV to sales is higher than price to sales. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, the problem I'm seeing here is just that price to book is like two, right? And then EV we know is higher than the market cap. So that's a price to book that's already leveraged a bit at two times. And then if we just look at the return on equity historically, it's very predictable, which I like. But when you say, what is it, like 15% in that neighborhood? I mean, what are we looking at here? The 
10-year median is 16. It looks very stable. I mean, just let so people can hear this, just go read over the return on equity number just from 2009 to 2018, not with the years, just the number. You can round it. Sure. We'll round it up. 19 or down. 19, 15, 18, 19, 17, 16, 16, 16, 16, 11. So I'm very interested, but it has to be done at the right price to book. And then this might be the right price to book. Um, but you can't overpay because it's somewhat constrained in terms of that. You can see that that's a very tight and stable range. And so you don't, the, the key thing here in return on equity is that you can't pay too much for the equity. Um, it seems incredibly stable that way. And yet it's been growing quite a bit. So that's impressive. It's, it's just unusual for a company to be growing like that while keeping such a stable return on equity. It's like they know what kind of returns they can get by putting more money into the business. Um, seems like an interesting company. It seems very interesting to me. Uh, but you just have to be careful about the price to book. So I'm looking at the price to book right now versus the current price. It looks okay. Uh, and you can see that in the PE. It looks okay. It doesn't look immediately cheap, but it looks like if you could figure out that this business is predictable, that it's going to have success in the future, that the future is going to look anything like the past, then yeah, you can buy it. Um, but it doesn't look to me immediately like the price is either way too high or way too low. It looks like the price might be about, if I didn't see the price and you asked me what price do you think it's trading at, I think I would have picked a price very close to what it's at. That doesn't mean that it's fair value. I just mean looking at based on those returns on equity, that's the kind of price to book you'd expect if it had a bit of debt. Because if you look, the return on equity is being accomplished each year with some debt probably, right? So yeah. the return on invested <clears throat> capital is more like 10%. Yeah, it's a little lower. And the return on equity is getting up to like 15 or 16% because they're leveraging it up, which is fine if it's a predictable business like it seems to be. But it's just, you know, uh, it looks interesting, but I can't tell immediately whether the price is too high, too low, or just right. Uh, it, I would, my guess would be more in the just right area. Yeah, just right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which uh, company would you be most interested in uh, definitely studying out of all the ones? So, Independence Holding Company, Schmidt Industries, uh, Woodmark Corporation, PaySign Inc., and then this last one. Not even close. Stella, Stella Jones. Jones by far, but more than any of the others. There you go. So you're going to end up actually running this up for the website because I think this would be kind of this interesting for you to okay. study. So go All to right. focuscompound.com to see that right up. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with Mr. Jeff and myself. Um, I think we're going to record our screen. We're going to have to figure out logistically how to do that and make it, you know, as uh, good as possible. So if you're listening on the podcast side of things and you want to see these episodes where we're actually uh, going through and kind of clicking through and you could follow along like that, follow us or subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel, which is Focus Compounding. I think that'll be a pretty uh, good uh, addition to the podcast. So I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with Mr. Jeff and myself. Uh, leave us a rating review. That goes a very long way. Um, again, we're super thankful for everybody that's supporting all of the work that we do. We're having a lot of fun doing it. Um, and we'll see you in the next podcast. Take care. Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and that was the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to follow along.